This is The Guardian. Today, what's gone wrong with the Metropolitan Police? And is Commissioner Cressida Dick the right person to rebuild its reputation? It's been another calamitous month for Britain's biggest police force. Metropolitan Police have uh, issued a statement saying that they are not going to investigate uh, events at Downing Street last For weeks, the Metropolitan Police refused to look into allegations of illegal gatherings in Downing Street. The correspondence and footage does not provide evidence of a breach of the health protection regulations, but restates allegations made in the media. But just as a Cabinet Office inquiry was set to reveal all, Commissioner Cressida Dick stunned Westminster by suddenly announcing a criminal investigation and calling a halt to the publication of the most incriminating details. As a result, firstly, of the information provided by the Cabinet Office inquiry team, and secondly, my officer's own assessment, I can confirm that the Met is now investigating a number of events that took place at Downing Street and Whitehall the move prompted renewed outrage, with growing calls on Dick to resign. So we are in a really bad place, and of course the buck must stop at the top. The Met have changed their minds four times during this whole saga. That's why people are beginning to feel this looks like a stitch-up. It was a chorus that grew louder again this week. The Independent Office for Police Conduct began its investigation into Charing Cross Police Station four years ago. It uncovered numerous offensive and discriminatory WhatsApp messages. A bombshell report from the police watchdog revealed racism and a culture of misogyny among officers who repeatedly joked about domestic violence and rape. Most of the messages uncovered by the IOPC are unbroadcastable, but in them officers mock women, the Black Lives Matter movement and disabled people. Reports have emerged that Home Secretary Priti Patel had discussed replacing the commissioner last year. And yesterday, she was critical of the way the force is being run. We just see the most appalling, just the most appalling behaviours, the most appalling conduct. I also think it shows a failure of leadership in some quarters. Five years into her reign at the top of London's police force, Cresta Dick has survived scandal after scandal as trust in the Met has hit rock bottom. Now, with the excuse of a few bad apples wearing increasingly thin, her leadership is under pressure like never before. From The Guardian, I'm Noshi Nikbal. Today in Focus, the Metropolitan Police is in crisis. Can Cressida Dick lead them out of it? Danny Shaw, you've spent a career reporting on the Metropolitan Police. Do you remember the first time you came across Cressida Dick? I think the first time that I met Cressida Dick would have been in the early 2000s. And she was a senior officer at the time at the Met. There weren't that many female officers of her seniority, so she was clearly someone that you would remember, that you would notice. She struck me then, and she's always struck me as a very serious person, thoughtful, unassuming, not seeking the limelight, clearly extremely intelligent, 
very committed. I can't think of another investigation that has had anything like that level of um, scrutiny and effort over, over the years. It is truly unique. We were... That point, she had a role helping move the Met on after the Stephen Lawrence inquiry, the McPherson inquiry, in terms of diversity issues. And over the years, you know, I've interviewed her, I've met her, but that was certainly the impression I formed back then, you know, around 20 years ago, I suppose. As you said, you met her and you interviewed her and, you know, lots of journalists build sources with their contacts in the Met. I mean, how how was she to work with or to deal with? Cressida has always been very professional in her dealings with the media. Very nice to talk to, you know, very polite, but not someone who you would ever have their mobile number of. You know, there are some senior police officers and they would give you their mobile phone number You'd perhaps have an arrangement whereby you might call them when there's a big story or whatever. Cressida was never someone like that. She always kept the media at a sort of at a distance. And I think that has been sort of her watchword, I think, right through her career. So quite an arm's length distance, quite private, as you said, doesn't seek attention or the limelight. And yet she became commissioner in 2017. How big a moment was that for the force? Oh, it was a huge moment. Former head of UK counter-terrorism, Cressida Dick, has been appointed London's new police chief. As Metropolitan Police Commissioner, she becomes the most senior officer in the country. The first female commissioner, the first gay commissioner as well. It was a momentous step. I could not be more pleased to be uh, appointed as the commissioner. Uh, It's beyond my wildest dreams. I think when she got the job, she was the favourite to get it. And the people I spoke to during that period, most of them thought that Cressida was the standout candidate. Effectively the most powerful police officer in the country, yeah, isn't and she? she's a very popular vote amongst, you know, certainly on social media and on Facebook with ex-cops and current cops. You know, it is absolutely fantastic news that we've got a woman in charge. So got- the only issue during the process that I could foresee sort of tripping her up was the question mark about her role in the fatal shooting of Jean Charlie Menezes in July 2005 after the London bombings. But her appointment has been criticised by the family of Jean Charles de Menezes. That was the key question in my mind, was was that going to be an obstacle too far? Because she was in command of that operation. She was the designated senior officer And, of course, a completely innocent man was shot dead by police. But for many, being in charge of that operation that killed Jean-Charles de Menezes would have been a career-ending moment. How did she survive it? I think she survived it because there were many mistakes made, but they couldn't be sort of laid at her door. The commander on duty that day, Cressida Dick, described receiving a series of positive identifications that the man being followed was the suspected terrorist. She was the officer who gave a command to stop Menezes, who was then thought to be a potential suicide bomb suspect. She never gave the command to shoot him dead. I think her command was misinterpreted and misunderstood because of the confusion and the problems surrounding the entire operation. At Brixton, he left the bus briefly, but the underground station's closure forced him to head to Stockwell. The jury found that unclear communication here about a positive identification was a key part of this fatal chain of error. At the trial on health and safety charges, which the Metropolitan Police was found guilty by a jury, when the jury returned their verdict on that, 
highly unusual, they added a note, a rider, essentially saying, we do not hold Cressida Dick personally culpable for the failings. I mean, that was, I don't think I've ever come across uh, a jury trial where they've delivered a note excusing someone or adding a rider like that to a verdict. And so after that, she did become commissioner, which is a job you need a very thick skin for to cope with the pressures and personal criticism that comes with the role. And she has faced more than her fair share of challenges in that post. But the last 12 months in particular for the Met Police have seen scandal after scandal. As you are aware, a man has been arrested on suspicion of Sarah's murder. This evening, detectives and search teams investigating Sarah's disappearance have found, very sadly, what appears to be human remains. The kidnap, rape and murder of of Sarah Everard was a horrific crime by any standards. Even more shocking was the fact that she had been killed by a serving Metropolitan Police officer. That was an unprecedented event. He was a Met officer using his powers, abusing his powers to kidnap a woman rape and then murder her in the most disgusting of circumstances imaginable. Probably one of the lowest moments for the Metropolitan Police in its history. There can be no doubt about that. It makes you think whether they have an ulterior motive, whether what they're saying is valid. Um, Yeah, I think, I definitely don't think I would be able to trust them in the same way as before. If one policeman has done that to a woman, I don't have the strength to trust all the policemen. Because that was so shocking for the Met and for Cressida Dick and for the senior leadership. I think they really struggled to deal with that in terms of the way they communicated and the messages they sent to the wider public. I feel that she'd misread what people were sort of sensing after that event. The Met released advice yesterday for women concerned if approached by a single plainclothes police officer, which is rare. The advice, to ask a series of searching questions and if still concerned, wave down a bus or run into a house. People understood that this was a very rare event, but what it released was this sort of deluge of concern about the safety of of women and girls on the streets that I don't think the Met really picked up on. They did eventually, but not until too late. What followed then was the vigil on Clapham Common, you know, which took place in the middle of COVID with restrictions on gatherings and, and so on. And the Met decided to police it in such a way that there were a number of officers there and then there were efforts to try and control the demonstration later and that infamous picture of, of a woman on the ground being restrained by a police officer. I mean, that image was so damaging to the Met in in terms of what it said about their whole approach uh, to the vigil. Now, the Inspectorate of Constabulary, the policing watchdog, did a very quick investigation and they essentially cleared the Met. But I think that the perception, the damage had been done already. You're through to the Commissioner. Go ahead, Joanne. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Um, So as a woman in London, the tragic death of Sarah Everard and the heavy-handed 
approach by the police at the vigil has left me questioning how much of a priority women's safety is for the Met. Sometimes what the Commissioner has done in seeking to protect her officers and protect their reputations because she really absolutely loves the Metropolitan Police. But in seeking to do that, I think she sometimes forgets that there's a sort of wider audience, that there is the people of London, the people of the country. I think she adopts a, a too much of a defensive approach. Well, thank you very much. Um, I know the uh, images of the vigil certainly um, upset many people, uh, and it sounds like they upset you as well. Um, I would... Uh, commend to you, it's quite a short read, uh, the independent report by Her Majesty's Inspectorate, uh, where they said in, in, in these terms that our officers uh, were not heavy-handed, they were thoughtful, they were sensible, they were proportionate, they were calm. At that point, there were calls across political divides for Cressida Dick's resignation, and yet she hung on, and a couple of months later, there was further outcry with the inquiry into the murder of Daniel Morgan. Can you tell me what that inquiry found and what it said about her leadership? The inquiry into Daniel Morgan, uh, which had been going on, uh, I think, since about 2013, made a, a series of findings about the Metropolitan Police and how corruption had tainted police investigations into the murder of Daniel Morgan, a private detective. And some of those findings were of no surprise. We had known for many years that the investigation was tainted by corruption, but here it was all spelled out. For 34 years, the murder of private investigator Daniel Morgan has remained unsolved, mired in allegations of police corruption and incompetence. Today, an independent panel lay bare the serious failings of the Metropolitan Police. It said, put reputation before the truth. I suppose for me, what was the surprising and, and I've got to say slightly shocking finding was that the panel s said that the Met Police had obstructed this independent panel inquiry. And Cressida Dick was the assistant commissioner at the time, and it was her responsibility to facilitate access by the inquiry to records held by the Met Police. And she was personally criticised. We believe that concealing or denying failings for the sake of an organisation's public image is dishonesty on the part of the organisation for reputational benefit. This constitutes a form of institutional corruption. And in a sense, what the inquiry panel was saying was that these difficulties evident between Cressida Dick and the inquiry panel between sort of 2013, 2014, 2015, that that in itself was a form of corruption because it was obstruction. It was sort of protecting the reputation of the Met at the expense of uncovering the truth. I don't believe we are institutionally corrupt. No, I don't accept that. Um, I have the deepest feelings for Daniel Morgan's family. Yet, yeah, once again, Cressida Dick survives this disaster, but that's not the end of it, is it? We then get a run of extraordinary, damaging stories about the culture and the failings of the Met. There have been a catalogue of scandals and disasters for the Metropolitan Police. Over 16 months, the bodies of four young gay men were found dead in East London. They were victims of Stephen Port, known as the Grinder Killer. The murders by Stephen Port of four young gay men in East London were absolutely shocking. What was absolutely incredible about this case was that 
the Metropolitan Police investigated the first three deaths locally and they failed to pick up on a series of clues that could have led them to port far earlier and may well have prevented certainly one, two, possibly three of the later deaths. Despite striking similarities in their deaths, detectives failed to link them. Now an inquest has heard evidence of a series of failings by the Metropolitan Police. These were inexcusable blunders, which obviously gave rise to questions around possible homophobia in the Met Police, questions about resourcing, a really concerning case. There was also the murders in Wembley of Beaver Henry and Nicole Smallman in June 2020. Dennis Jaffa and Jamie Lewis called Bieber Henry and Nicole Smallman two dead birds. Again, concerns that the Met Police was too slow in its reaction when the two sisters went missing. But what compounded the tragic murders of those two women was the fact when it emerged that two Metropolitan Police constables who'd been sent to guard the crime scene took photographs of themselves with the bodies in the background and then shared messages and images on WhatsApp. They have since been convicted and jailed. You know, you go to London to start to prepare the funeral of your dead children and then you're forced to have a meeting with the IOPC and the then commander to tell you that police officers that should have been protecting the area had actually taken selfies. It just gave rise to this sense of what kind of culture is there in the Met Police where officers think that that is okay or acceptable. I mean, what is going on in the minds of people like that? You know, if members of the public did that, we would rightly be disgusted. For two police officers to do that, it leads into all sorts of questions about whether, you know, the Met's recruiting the right sorts of people. Is it supervising them adequately? Is it allowing these sorts of attitudes to sort of continue and permeate through the organisation? And, you know, we've learned just in the past week that this is not a one-off. The police watchdog has found what it called a disgraceful culture of bullying, discrimination, toxic masculinity, misogyny and sexual harassment at a police station in central London. Report into events at Charing Cross Police Station uh, in central London. One male officer messaged a female colleague, I would happily rape you and if I was single I would happily chloroform you. It revealed a sort of a catalogue of abuse, messages, vile, misogynistic racist, bullying messages and all sorts of sort of communications between officers. In its report, the IOPC said, we believe these incidents are not isolated or simply the behaviour of a few bad apples. And you just think, these are the people who are meant to be protecting us, investigating crimes. Of course, it may not be widespread throughout the organisation, but in certain pockets, it appears to have been left uncontrolled and unchecked. The Metropolitan Police has said it's deeply sorry for the unacceptable, unprofessional, disrespectful and deeply offensive behaviour of its officers. From the outside, you know, these accusations that the Met has a culture of misogyny or homophobia or racism, it does feel like an institutional problem within the force. But how much of that culture do you think can be blamed on Cresta Dick's own leadership? Look, I think it's very hard to blame individual failings like this on Cressida Dick and her own leadership. 
you know, some of these events probably took root before she became commissioner. And you can't say that a commissioner in charge of a workforce of 45,000 people can be responsible for individuals sharing WhatsApp messages. But you do question whether enough was done early on when these matters would have been brought to her attention or the attention of her directorate for professional standards to not wait necessarily for the official investigation or the official inquiry, but to take action straight away to try and deal with this, with some of this sort of behaviour. You know, it's all very well disciplining certain officers, but clearly there's something at, at the root here. Uh, today, I'm announcing that we will have an independent person come in and review uh, the Met in terms of its standards uh, and in terms of its culture. She has now set up an independent review led by Lady Casey that will you know, look into the culture, standards, standards of behaviour, leadership, recruitment, vetting, training in the Metropolitan Police. And that's very, very welcome. You do wonder whether this is something that is really long overdue and should have been set up far earlier. We've just been looking here at the last 12 months, but if you go back further, there is the way protests have been policed, the Operation Midland Failures, the Carl Beach Affair, a shocking rate of teenage killings. All of that has left public confidence in the Metropolitan Police at rock bottom. There's some breaking news to tell you this afternoon. Dame Cressida Dick is to continue to lead the Metropolitan Police until 2024. Confirmation just in. But despite all of that, she has the confidence of government and had her contract renewed for another two years. How was that possible? Cressida Dick is highly respected within policing. You don't hear people in general bad-mouthing her. The commissioner should keep her job then? Uh, that's, <laughs> I have known that commissioner in various ranks for 30 years and I think she's the finest officer of her generation. And she's also respected in government. Don't forget that she worked with Boris Johnson when he was Mayor of London and with the Policing and Crime Minister Kit Malthouse. And I think that's very important to remember that. OK, the, the, being the Met Commissioner is, I think, one of the possibly top three most difficult jobs in the, in the country. In some ways, having a commissioner who doesn't seek the limelight, who doesn't want to you know, take all the credit when things go right, is quite helpful for the Home Secretary and for other government ministers. And also, if I'm being really honest about it, having a slightly weakened Metropolitan Police Commissioner isn't necessarily something that, that disadvantages uh, government ministers either. I don't think that's the principal reason that she was given a contract extension, but it's probably not unhelpful to them. As you've said, she's incredibly popular with her colleagues and well-liked and respected with politicians. But across much of the media and with the public at large, that reputation couldn't be more different. Could you explain why there is that dissonance? I have seen Cressida Dick at, at, at very close quarters. I haven't worked with her, but I've interviewed her. I've spoken to her on a number of occasions over the years. And you can tell that she commands great respect. And I just don't think that is seen by people outside the organisation who just see this string of blunders and, and scandals and also the way that they're handled and dealt with and the communications around them, I think, has been poor too. And that is so important for any leader in 2022 to be able to communicate effectively 
and get your message across and explain what you're doing. There was an era probably when she joined the police service back in the 1980s, you know, for 10, 20 years, when the police would just put out a little statement, they wouldn't really have to explain what they're doing. We're the police, this is what we do. You don't need to know why we're doing it or what the reasons are. Well, that's changed now. People demand and they want explanations for things. They want to know why the police won't investigate parties at Downing Street and they want a proper explanation for that. And if the police decide to investigate, they want to know why they've moved position and are now deciding to investigate. And you have to set those reasons out clearly and you need people who are good at communicating. And of course, it's not incumbent upon her to communicate and to be at the front for every single investigation. Of course it isn't. But I think that definitely is a failing. Coming up, can Cresta Dick's Metropolitan Police be trusted to investigate the Downing Street parties? I can confirm that the Met is now investigating a number of events that took place at Downing Street and Whitehall. Danny, despite us discussing so many allegations of police failings, I guess the reason for most of the attention on the Met right now is arguably not for the most serious crimes, but the way they have inserted themselves into politics and stories about cheese, wine and ABBA. First, they said there would be no investigation into parties at Downing Street. Then there was a dramatic U-turn. And now the Met has seemingly obstructed the publication of the full Sue Gray report until their investigation has concluded. How did Cresta Dick end up in this mess? Look, I think this is a situation that is more about poor communication and messaging than about their overall stance on the affair. The Metropolitan Police will not investigate something that happened at Downing Street. We're not asking them to look into what happened last year in the Geographical Centre of Australia, are we? I think the Met has taken a completely logical position, which is here are some relatively minor allegations, but in a very high-profile context. Let the Cabinet Office, Sue Gray, do the inquiry first, and then if she finds criminal wrongdoing pass all that information and potential evidence to the police. So the police are basically in the pocket of politicians. The whole thing is a show. It's utter corruption. The failure was to explain what their approach was and the failure to say from the outset that there are occasions when they will investigate retrospectively COVID breaches and to set out what those conditions for such an investigation are. We only learned recently that they do have guidelines on that and they do have some conditions under which they will carry out such investigations. If they'd have explained all that at the outset, I don't think there would have been all this criticism heaped upon them. Obviously, the Met Commissioner doesn't usually spend her time looking at £100 fines for COVID rule violations. There is another officer investigating the events at Downing Street, but how much do you think what happens with this investigation will ultimately be Dick's decision? I think the decision-making will be delegated to the senior officers uh, who are in charge of the so-called Partygate inquiry. You know, there are a couple of very seniors there. 
We had a, a bundle of material provided to us just Friday, um, which is well over 500 of uh, pieces of paper, about a ream and a half uh, we received, and uh, over 300 photographs. But so I am sure that before any key decisions are communicated, a gold group will be set up. That's a kind of top-level meeting, and I'm sure Cressida Dick will be cited of that. She will be keeping a close eye on this. It is, it is arguably the most high-profile investigation that the Med has carried out for years. Twelve gatherings have been referred to the police, two events that the Prime Minister attended had been referred to the police, and a third was in his own flat. And from what you've seen of her, do you think Cresta Dick would have the nerve to potentially bring down a Prime Minister to, in order to uphold the law? I don't think this is about bringing down the Prime Minister. This is about carrying out a scrupulously fair and thorough investigation and proportionate investigation, considering we're just talking about penalty fines here, into a number of individuals, some of whom may include high-profile people in Downing Street and, and potentially the Prime Minister. And if that means that the Prime Minister has to receive a penalty fine, then so be it. The consequences, what flows from that, the political consequences, are not for her or her team. And she will be, I'm sure, making that abundantly clear to everyone. They have to go without fear or favour, follow the evidence and do what they would do with any other individual now that the inquiry is underway. So I don't think she will be seeing it in those terms and won't allow any of her officers to see it in those terms. So Danny, given all the scandals and the controversy, Cressida Dick still has another two years left of her tenure. Do you think that she'll make it through to the end? For the commissioner to be forced out after the turbulent year or 18 months that we've had will require political will on the part of the Home Secretary of the day, the Mayor of London, that she needs to go. They made the decision to reappoint her, to suddenly sort of go back on that, knowing, as they must have done, that some of these events were coming down the track would reflect, I think, very badly on them as well. Who knows what's, what could happen in a year's time? We, we might have a different Home Secretary by then. Who, you know, who knows? Things may be slightly different. The Commissioner will be into her last year or so in office and to force her out wouldn't really make much sense. My general sense is that she will last in post for the next couple of years because after 18 months, the, sort of, the race will be on to find her successor. We'll see. Danny, thank you so much. You're very welcome. That was crime and policing commentator Danny Shaw. My thanks to him. To read more on the Met and to keep up to speed on the investigation into the Downing Street parties, head over to theguardian.com. And before we go, I want to mention a brand new podcast from The Guardian called Weekend. Launching on Saturday, it will showcase the best Guardian interviews, features and opinion columns from the week read by talented narrators. Listen from this Saturday on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Sammy Kent. Sound design is by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producers are Phil Maynard and Mythley Rao. We'll be back tomorrow.
This is The Guardian.